Okay. Take your Bible, turn with us to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 1. Chapter 26, verse 1. And uh, we're going to go through this chapter. And um, next week, uh, of course, 27. But five weeks from now um, is chapter 31, Lord willing. And it's all about you ladies. Most of this has been directed at men. Of course, the principles are the same. But it was written for future men leaders. But that chapter at the end of this book is all about the woman and the importance of the woman or women. And so I think it's only fitting that night we have a celebration of women. So uh, we're going to come up with something special and honor ladies that night, not just touch on the highlights of Proverbs 31. But tonight, Proverbs 26, verse 1, it says, as snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. All right, keep in mind, the teacher here is uh, going over and over and over, typically the same subject matter, uh, somewhat rehearsing it, repeating it, uh, framing it in a different framework. And, and so here we go again. He's talking about leaders do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. And he says, so snow in summer, something totally out of place, totally out of place. Rain in harvest. We don't want any rain in the harvest season. And so these are out of place. And he says, so honor is not fitting. It's out of place to give honor to a fool. So he's saying to these men, and all of us, of course, in general, he is saying that you and I want to not be a fool or foolish, and uh, if we're a fool, we're not going to have honor. But he wants us to have honor. He wanted them to have honor. Honor is high respect, great esteem. High respect, great esteem. Um, these future leaders were being trained to not be a fool or to act like a fool. All right. A fool is a person who lacks sense or judgment, a jester, an idiot. All right. So anyway, you could go on and on with the adjectives about a fool, but uh, he does not want us, God doesn't want us to act foolish. And so that was the whole principle being laid down. And so a lot of this chapter is about not being foolish and then uh, defining what a fool is and how they act and, and uh, their character traits so that we won't imitate them even as a believer. Um, let, here's one that I came across. It wasn't in my original notes, but um, a person becomes a fool or foolish, literally darkened in their heart uh, and being foolish or a fool, you could just go ahead and call it that, uh, in Romans chapter 1, and unfortunately they don't have it highlighted, but in Romans chapter 1, 20, or we don't, 21, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And here it is, and their foolish hearts were darken. What is, what is Paul talking about here in Romans chapter 1? He is talking about people who uh, fall into the trap 
or the snare or they just lead themselves into it of uh, sex outside of the boundaries of God's word. It is fornication, uh, sexual intimacy between uh, people and just anyone. Um, it may involve a married person, but adultery, generally speaking, re refers to people who are married. So fornication is uh, you end up having a darkened heart. Uh, adultery, you end up with a darkened, foolish heart. And uh, then the same sex attraction or intimacy, you end up with a darkened, uh, foolish heart. So you don't want to fall into that trap. And if you're married, the last thing you want to do is to commit adultery because uh, all of a sudden darkness comes into your life and you stop making rational decisions. You start acting like a fool. So we're not going to fall into that trap and everybody said amen. All right. Okay. All right. Psalm 14, verse 1. Um, Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There is something about the essence of being a fool or foolish that says there is no God, or at least they have tried to convince themselves. They act like it. In essence, they're not really, it's not so much as saying they don't believe in God. They're saying no to God. They're saying no to his plan for their life. They're saying no to his instruction for humanity. They want to act like they want to act like, and uh, God is not going to change their mind. Uh, just recently, uh, I was looking at a video on uh, YouTube about the horrible crisis in California. Well, they've had all kind of crises with the fires. That was horrible, and I guess there are still some going on, but in some of the cities, the homeless situation is out of control. And uh, there's upwards now, they believe, 100,000 people there that are homeless and it's tragic and they're living in squalor and they're living in, in very uh, disease-infested uh, situations in some cases and a lot of them are on drugs and uh, just a pitiful, pitiful situation. And they were looking for answers. And uh, one of the answers they came up with was to either the city or state build housing and, and would give every one of them a room. And seemed like a great idea. And there's a place there, I think it's in Los Angeles, that they already built, holds like 165 people, but they only have like 124 people. And so the reason they gave is because so many of them, they don't want to go there. And there's a, the freedom in their mind, in their heart. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. That's general speaking. Most of us are like that to some extent. And they interviewed one of the guys that lived close by, and they said, uh, why won't you go in? He said, they can't force me to go in. And they're talking about trying to force them. He said, they will never get me in there. I'm out here. I'm doing what I want to do, and nobody can change me. Well, you and I look at that, and yes, we would label it 
foolish behavior living on a street versus sleeping on a nice little bed. That's foolish, but he's got in his mind, it's twisted up, and he doesn't have God. If Christ, somebody were to go and witness to him and him accept Christ, and he comes to himself, and all of a sudden, he starts thinking differently. He's going to be like, yes, uh, get me off of this street. Yes, I want to get on my feet. Yes, I'll get a job. Yes, uh, I want to provide for myself. And so, the thinking totally dramatically changes. So, parents... That's what you've got to do with your children. You are constantly preparing their mind for adulthood. You don't let them fall into the trap of thinking everybody owes them something. No. When my son was about five, uh, fifth grade, um, he had nothing to do. I grew up on a farm. Every day I came home, I had plenty to do. And we had like 240 acres, and so we worked hard. Uh, but... You know, I lived on a quarter of an acre to start with. We did. And our, my son had nothing to do. So he'd go home and eat. Uh, that he could do that. He could eat. Uh, and uh, then he would uh, watch TV. And so I got so distressed about it. Um, I'm not sure I should use that word. Yes, I was distressed about it. All right? I'm like, I'm going to move and buy a farm. That's what I'm going to do. But... Uh, you know, I, what am I going to do? And I was like, God, what am I going to do? He doesn't have the same opportunities. What do I do? And, um, and so, of course, he started gaining a little more weight. And, and um, then two things happened. Uh, a very pretty girl took interest in him, and all of a sudden, he's running. And so, uh, and losing weight and, and ended up losing all that weight. And then one day, one of the men in the church said to me, do you know anybody that can be um, a work for me? And I'm like, yes, I know someone. He lives at my house. And uh, I, Josh will help you. And I went home and I said, Josh, guess what? You have a job. Um, God has provided you a job. And the amazing thing was, when I tried to get him to cut my grass, he'd get out there and the next thing, I, he'd see a bug. He'd be down in the grass playing with a bug. Take forever. Aggravate me. Bad. Because I, you know, when I cut grass on the farm, you didn't stop and look at bugs. No, you kept going, you know. And so I just was like, oh, good gracious. God, please, I don't want a lazy boy. I don't want a lazy boy, God. And so when he got that job and went to work and work, started working hard, for somebody else, giving him self-esteem. He's thinking differently now. Uh, he gets a paycheck. Ah, he's got his own money. And all of a sudden, he's getting up early in the morning, working. They're working sometimes into the night. It's like a different person is in my house. It was wonderful. Some of you are so jealous right now. I can sense it. You're like, oh, my God, who is that guy? Does he still need somebody? And I got a daughter at home, you know. So uh, get her to babysit, whatever. I mean, get them to doing something. Get them to making money. And uh, they, dear Lord, don't let them just sit around and saturate and sit there and think, you know, life is going to hand them a, a silver platter. Doesn't usually happen that way. And all the parents said, amen. Okay. I don't know why I went there, but I did. Don't worry about it. All right, so, okay. What am I saying? Where am I going here? All right. 
Um, here we go. Psalm 92. Why am I in Psalms? We're supposed to be in Proverbs. Sorry. Psalms 92, verse 5 and 6. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Now, David had a relationship with God and an understanding of the magnitude and, and the marvel of God's works, even though he didn't understand how the body worked and he didn't understand a lot of the greatness of God. He just knew that God's works were great. But then he goes on to say, a senseless man does not know this. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. Nor does a fool understand the greatness of God. Boy, when, when you come to Christ and all of a sudden you realize how great God is, uh, but we just see the tip of the iceberg of the greatness of God, but then the more you study and the more you see and the more you're, you're, you're just captivated by uh, the marvel of this universe and the preciseness of uh, of how God set it all up, and, and uh, it, is, it is so marvelous to behold. Our bodies, our bodies are so incredible. You know, when we were a teenager growing up, we don't think anything about our bodies. We don't think, oh, I got a liver down there somewhere. I wonder how it's doing. Uh, we don't think anything about our kidneys. I never did until they told me mine were not working so good. And so we don't think Recently, a couple years ago, uh, someone that I knew had a pancreas with that that was deteriorating. I'm like, pancreas? What do you need one of those for? I Googled it, found out. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Don't Google it now, later, all right? But anyway, I'm like, this is incredible how God put this body together and all these little things are so necessary, uh, except your appendix. I don't know what that's for, but anyway... I'm sure it's a necessary reason, but uh, they don't know. But so anyway, the greatness of God is astounding. Here I am talking, and uh, you, can, you can go out to eat afterwards, or the new members are going to go in the cafeteria. They're going to sit down. They're going to have something to eat. We're going to come by and greet them. And the amazing thing is they're going to put food in their mouth, and it's going to go down through their esophagus. And while they're eating, they can still talk, and and wind is coming out of their uh, their voice box, and and so the the there's a flapper in there that's just automatically going back and forth. That they don't get food caught uh, in the wrong way. The food's going the right way. The air is going the right way. The voice is coming out the right way. It is a miracle. Think of when's the last time you thank God for your flapper? I mean, for heaven's sakes. I know it's been a long time I mentioned this, but the, thank God for the flapper. It's an amazing thing. It is absolutely incredibly amazing that you can breathe and talk at the same time and even eat at the same time. God designed us incredibly. Wow. Well, boy, we should just praise God. Father, we praise you. God, we praise you for your glorious works. Hallelujah. Wow. And for our pancreas, Lord, yes. Proverbs 17, 10. Rebuke is more. I'm in chapter 26, aren't I? All right, so, okay, don't worry about it. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 10. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. Wow. 
That's pretty heavy duty. Think about it. A hundred blows. You hit somebody or, uh, with a rod or a stick or something a hundred times. It's still not as effective as speaking one word of rebuke to a wise person. Amazing. Let's look at it for a minute. A fool says no to God or there is no God. A fool will slander others. A fool is lazy. Fool wastes time. Wow. Wow, wow. It's amazing. We don't want to be a fool. How many don't want to be a fool? I don't want to be foolish and I don't want to be a fool. All right. Proverbs 26. We're finally to verse 2. All right. Like a flirting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Now, look at this. A lot of people get uptight. I mean, uh, someone recently came up to me last Sunday, I guess it was, with a child and said, pray over this child. Um, there's someone in his life, they've, they're into Santeria, and they've tried to put a curse on this child. I'm like, there's part of me like, oh, dear God, have mercy. For heaven's sake, we're going we're gonna to pray. But let me just tell you, uh, a curse causeless shall not alight, shall not take hold, shall not be effective. And uh, so you don't have to, as a Christian, you don't have to worry about somebody trying to put a curse on you. You don't have to worry about it because they can't, all right? They cannot put a curse on you. It's not going to come on you. Uh, you. You have the spirit of the living God within you. So you don't, there's no curse coming on you, no. You can curse me all you want to. It ain't going to do you any good, all right? So, uh, all right, like, a, like an arrow, a sparrow or a swallow flying overhead. So a curse without cause shall not alight he that is cursed without cause, the curse will do him no more harm than a bird that flies over his head. Well, there's one example in the Bible, and I think I'll just mention it to you. Uh, I put the, all the verses are highlighted, but uh, let me just quickly go through it because this was a case where someone, the enemy of God, God's people, cursed someone. And uh, uh, so let's see what happened quickly, all right? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 42, verse through 50. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, uh, the giant, he distanced him, or disdained him, I should say, for he was only a youth, Rudy, and good-looking. I don't know who wrote this. Maybe David. He was good-looking. All right, so anyway, uh, no, David didn't write, to my knowledge. All right, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? that you come to me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David. Look at that. The Philistine, he cursed him by his gods. You, I don't know what he said to him. I don't know how he cursed him, but he cursed him by his God. I curse you by my gods. The only problem is there's only one God. And uh, his little whatever idols were, were enabled to bring about any curse on David. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give you fle your flesh to the birds of the air, the beast of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, he didn't curse him back. He didn't curse you. I curse you. No, he didn't curse back. So don't do that. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I, here's where the power comes in. 
but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, by the way. You old giants, you've been coming out here every morning and evening, and uh, what was it, noonday too, possibly? He was coming out there cursing the God of Israel. Now, let me tell you something. You, you don't curse the God of Israel, all right? You don't curse God. Uh, God's merciful, and, and God didn't strike the uh, Goliath down on the first time he did it. Uh, I can't remember. I didn't reread the whole story, but days and days and days went by. Every day he'd go out there and curse, 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 curse. God was patient. He was, he was merciful to Goliath, but finally judgment falls on him. He had been defiling the God of Israel. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, David said. So he just declares the power of God over his life. And I will strike you and take your head. For the battle, let me jump down, for the battle is the Lord's. Don't ever forget, folks, the battle is the Lord's. And look at this, and he will give you into my hands. No, David didn't say, I'm going to go kick your rear end. No, he said, my God, who you've defiled, is going to give you into my hands. It's not my doing. Without God, I can't do it. But with God, I'm going to take your head off. All right? So, and so David hurried, and he ran toward the army. I like that. And then think about it. Here he's running, reaching into his little satchel, pulling out a stone, putting it in his sling. And while he's running, he is winding her up and aiming at that little place right between the armor, I believe, and lets her go. Now, let me tell you something about that story. There's a lot about this story. But this wasn't the first time David used a sling. All right? David had practiced possibly thousands of times. The first time David took a stone, put it in the sling, you think his accuracy was that good? No way. Now, there's something, there's a principle here. See, there, your day is coming. Your day is coming. See, when you're going you're gonna to take down a Goliath in your life, your day is coming, but you got to be ready when he comes, all right? So you got to be ready. You got to practice up. You got to get in the Word. You got to get it. You got to pray. You got to do the things of God. You got to walk in the Spirit because the, when the day comes, like David, he was ready for the giant because for thousands of times he had practiced and honed his skill so that he could hit a small little place in a giant's head, nine feet or so off the ground, with a rock in a sling. And so, thank God, he practiced and practiced and practiced. It's folly to believe such a curse, uh, to believe it would come on your life. Don't ever believe it. It's not going to happen. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Not going to happen. All right, uh, let's go to Proverbs 26, verse 6. Now, all of a sudden, we took a detour to deal with people cursing, and uh, now we're back to fools, all right? Okay, so Proverbs 26 and 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. In other words, you can inflict irreparable permanent harm on yourself, ourselves 
if we entrust an essential and perhaps life-saving message to the hand of a fool, the inference I believe here is that you're giving someone uh, military information. Um, you're almost like a spy. You're going behind enemy lines. Enemy lines. You're you're getting this uh, message to someone else that's a part of your army. And uh, if that fool just gets out there and decides to take a nap and go to sleep or do anything other than the urgency of the message that it dictates, so he just. He, he's Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. No, you give something important to a person like that, it, it could do terrible harm to your own life, all right? So that is what the writer of Proverbs is saying here. Now, I find this extremely interesting because as we look at, this is Old Testament and how true it is, don't be foolish, don't act like a fool, but then when we come to the New Testament, so in other words, I don't want you to walk out of here tonight and uh, meet someone that's acting foolish and say, well, isn't this interesting? Uh, I was just at church and pastor was talking about a fool. I believe you are a fool. And uh, no, we, we do not do that, all right? We can declare that somebody is acting foolish. What you did was foolish, but. Here's the caveat. Here it comes from the New Testament, Christ himself. He says, Matthew 5, 22. Look what he said. But I say to you that, and this is, I believe this is King James from uh, some time ago when I wrote this. But, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Now, we can be angry, a righteous angry we have a right, you know, it's normal to get angry in certain situations, but even then, we're not to let the sun go down on our what? Our, we're what? We're not to let the sun go down on our wrath, our anger, all right? So, anybody get angry today? Are you still angry? It's nighttime, all right? So, anyway, um, it's about time you, you know, it just slips out of your spirit, Okay, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says, I've always liked this, this word, whoever says to his brother, Raka, you, you're Raka. Now, you could use that. Nobody would know what you mean, but God knows. All right, so anyway, uh, shall be in danger of the council. Okay, what is Raka? It means Good for nothing, that's what it means. You good for nothing. Have you ever said that to anybody? Um, I don't know if I've ever had anybody tell me that. Mm, I don't remember, it wasn't true if they did. But anyway, uh, but think about it. Have you used it with anybody else? You good for nothing. I mean, think about it. That, think about that same, you good for nothing. You, in other words, you are, you are worthless, all right? That's what he said, Raka. You are good for nothing. You are worthless, <laughs> all right? And then he, he goes on to say, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool. Now, here it is. We are not to call people or say to people, you're a fool. Even if they say, I don't believe in God, and you just say, well, I know the reason why. You're a fool. And so that's what Psalm said. No, we don't say that. Uh, we don't call somebody a fool. When I came to this church, 
uh, I was single, and um, I had a roommate. Good guy. He, wasn't, he hadn't been saved very long. His name was Pat. Um, came from a totally unchurched background. And so he had a habit of calling people and talking to people and saying, you fool. And I knew about this verse. And I'm like, every time he, he started calling me a fool. And uh, his roommate. And it was very tempting to say, oh, no, I'm not a fool, but I, you are. And so, no, I, I just cringed every time he did. Finally, I'm like, Pat, I need to tell you something. Let me show you this verse. You should not be calling me a fool, first of all, because I am not. I am a child of God. I am smart. I work hard. Uh, I'm not a fool, all right? So uh, a fool, just downright wicked, a reprobate person. He was calling me a reprobate, all right? So, uh, so finally I told him, don't, you shouldn't call me. I was very kind, very uh, gracious to him. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you ought to be. All right, so anyway, uh, you're a, uh, uh, the, the word here is a fool, downright wicked. Does anybody use that word downright? It sounds too close to, all right. So anyway, um, downright, D-O-W-N, wicked. Uh, downright means something bad or unpleasant. It's simply used for emphasis. All right, you're um, I used to use it. I may still do, but I probably should stop. Okay, um, Proverbs. It's, oh, my goodness. I'm not going to be able to finish. we got to go eat. All right, so um, Proverbs 26, 18. Uh, yeah, I like this one. Oh, there's so many here. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. Get the picture. Um uh, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly a lazy man. Hey, they're wiser in their own eyes. Funny. All right, Proverbs 26, 18. Like a madman, look at it. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. Sound like a rioter in Portland, Oregon. All right, so uh, like a madman who throws firebrands, Antifa, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, look at what he says. I was only joking. I can't believe this. There are people today, how many of you know someone that does this on a regular basis? They say, I was just joking. Maybe your kid, you know, they did something there. I was just joking. I wasn't serious. And that's when you smack them. No, I'm kidding. All right, so. Um, but... Look at, I couldn't believe this. I was like, dear Lord, they had people like this back then also. They had people back then, I can't even hardly imagine back there, and, you know, one of, somebody comes along, David's out there with his sheep, and, you know, he uh, steals one of his sheep or whatever, and, and David catches him, throws a stone at him, and so he was like, I was just joking, I wasn't going to steal it. Or... People were like that back then. Or someone says something hurtful to you or someone else. I was just joking. I didn't mean it. Oh. Chances are there was a little seed of them meaning it in there. So uh, uh, just, just listen. This is, this is to leaders. And he's saying to us, to 
Uh, we are not to be like this. We are not to deceive. We're not to, we're not to uh, hurt someone. We're, we're not to do something that, uh, that is a negative and then to blame it by just saying, I was just joking, I was joking. Can't you take a joke? And puts it all back on us as if there's something wrong with us because we can't take a joke. Well, no. Christians shouldn't act that way. Amen. All right, so it's mealtime. All right, so, and it's time to pray. So let's bow our heads. Father, Lord, thank you. We don't have to be foolish. We can be wise, not ignorant. God, your word says if we don't have the wisdom we need to simply ask and you will give it to us liberally. God, I praise you that this church is full of wise people. God, I praise you, Lord God. We don't have to be fearful of what the enemy try, may try to do to bring us harm or cause us to be fearful or to look at this going on in society right now. And God, we're your children. We're children of God, men and women of the Most High. And we give you thanks and praise. And we may go through difficult times, but we have you by our side. And we, in the midst of whatever we're going through, we declare the greatness of God. God, may we see even more in our spirit the greatness of God, the magnitude of your works, and be amazed. And Lord, I pray for any in this building who may be sitting here or watching online that don't have a personal relationship with you. Holy Spirit of God. Holy, holy, holy Spirit of God. If you're in this building and you are not walking with Christ, and there's some in this room. You're, you're a good person by definition. You're a good person. People say, hey, you, you're such a good person. But maybe they don't know that inside of you is a place that is empty of God. It's because God's Spirit was intended to be there. And you've said no to God. That doesn't make you a fool. Today's term of grace, it makes you foolish. It makes you foolish to not understand your need of God and how He loves you and how much more blessed your life would be to have his presence, his spirit within you, giving you peace with you. When you wake up in the middle of the night, he's with you. When you're going through deep waters, he's with you. You need Christ. If you're sitting here tonight and you, that's not you. You, you don't have Christ. You don't have him yet, but you are. You are, because you're going to say yes to God tonight. You're going to say yes to God tonight. Yes, God's touching your heart, isn't he? And across this building and even online, 
If you need Christ, you need to get right with God quickly. Why don't you just lift your hand high? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you quickly. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Yes. God bless you and you and God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Jesus. God loves you. And God cares more about you than anybody in this whole world. He cares more about you than you care about yourself. Maybe you don't even feel, maybe you feel like you don't even care about yourself anymore, but he cares about you. And he loves you, and he wants to change your life. Anybody else? You didn't raise your hand, but you should have. Anybody else? Quickly, just lift your hand. They're online. You need Christ? Bow your heart before him. Anybody else in this building? Stand with us, please, all over the building. Please uh, give us just a few more minutes before you slip out. Because the Spirit of God, a moment ago, may have used something that was said and by the Spirit, but the Spirit of God touched you. Your ears may have heard words, but the Spirit of God touched you. And you sensed him, and you responded to him. And so, I want to challenge you, and right now, I want to challenge you. This was your night. Yes, this was your night. So, I'm just declaring over your life, this is a night that the enemy loses, God wins. All right? So, this is your night. That's going to happen in your life. So, Pastor John's going to lead us in a chorus, and when he does, listen, this altar time is for anybody, but those of you, those four people at least that raised your hand, this is really for you. So I want to challenge you to slip into that aisle, make your way to this altar. Someone is going to be here to pray with you. All you need to do is come, pray. Darkness leaves, light enters. Spirit enters. Death leaves, life enters. What a transformation. Everybody in this place is born again could tell, tell you about it and witness to you about it. So right now, if you raise your hand, Pastor John's going to lead us. If you didn't raise your hand, you should have. Why don't you move to this front? Let's pray together before you leave this building. Would you do that right now? Step out right over here, right over here. Why don't you move to this altar? Let's pray before you leave this building. Jesus, my God. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Christ is enough for me. my Lord. Listen, there are others that need to be in this altar. Maybe there you have another need in your life, whatever it may be. Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. I know those of you that are new members, gather out at the staircase right over to this, my left, if you will, please, for a picture, and then go over to cafeteria. But God bless you richly. Listen, 
this weekend, we're talking about being empowered by the Spirit. So you come praying, believing that God's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit this weekend. Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your love, and for your wisdom, Lord God, for your word that's spoken to our hearts, Lord, and has drawn us closer to you, has given us direction for our lives, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that um, those that have been drawn to these altars and those that are reaching out to you over our broadcast tonight, Lord God, that they're feeling your presence right now, that you're touching them, that you're uh, just enveloping them with your love, Lord God. I thank you that answers are being given, that uh, deliverances are happening, Lord God, that miracles are happening, that situations are being turned around, Lord God, by your power, by your spirit. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those that are reaching out to you in this moment, God, would not leave from this moment the same, but that they be leave impacted and changed by your great presence, by your great power, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, Lord, as we leave this time together, that we would, God, continue to walk in your presence and in your spirit. Help us a day in and day out to walk in the wisdom that you've delivered us into even tonight. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'll get the glory out of our lives as we do so. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you. Looking forward to an awesome rest of the week in your presence, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you so much. Go with God. God's going with you. If you're watching online tonight and you'd like someone to pray with you, please feel free to call the number that's on your screen. Someone is here to minister to you in your time of need with prayer. Also, Pastor uh, Ben is here to serve communion to anyone who would like to take communion tonight. That's available to you. God bless you, and we hope to see you again very soon.